2: this is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Second Part of Henry IV. By William Shakespeare. Dramatis Parsone. Rumor the Presenter and Lady Percy. Cecilia Pryor. King Henry IV. Mark F. Smith. Henry, Prince of Wales, afterwards King Henry V, Max Porter Zasada. Prince John of Lancaster, Brian Edwards. Prince Humphrey of Gloucester, Simon Leroy. Thomas, Duke of Clarence, Aletheia. Earl of Northumberland, Lisa Wilson. Scroope, Archbishop of York, Vin Riley. Lord Mowbray, Ellis Christophe Lord Hastings, Hefid. Lord Bardolph, David Leeson. Sir John Colville, silence, second drawer and porter, silence. Travers, Shadow, and Bullcalf, Daniel Hutton. Morton and Shallow, David Nickel. Earl of Warwick. Aaron Elliot and M.B. Earl of Westmoreland, Larissa Jaworski. Gower, Miriam Esther Goldman. Harcourt, Jennifer Stearns. Lord Chief Justice and First Groom, Lars Rolander. Bardolph and Servant, David Lawrence. Sir John Falstaff, John Leader. Edward Poynes, Bologna Times, Pistol, Laurel Anderson, Pato, Matthew Ward, Page and Dancer, Epilogue, Laurie Ann Walden, Davy, Mouldy, and Fang, Father Richard Zyla Snare, Anna Simon, Thomas Wart, Lucy Perry, Francis Feeble, Cory Samuel. Francis, a drawer, second and third grooms, Barry Eads. Lady Northumberland, Brianna Bird. Hostess Quickly, Rosalind Wills. Doll Tearsheet, Philippa. First Beadle, Ellie. Third Drawer and Messenger, Neeru Iyer. STAGE DIRECTIONS, KALINDA. AUDIO EDITED BY DAVID LAWRENCE. END OF DRAMATIS Parsone ACT One OF THE SECOND PART OF KING HENRY IV. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG the second part of henry the fourth by william shakespeare induction scene england warkworth before northumberland's castle enter rumor painted full of tongues
3: open your ears for which of you will stop the vent of hearing when a loud rumor speaks (laughs) i from the orient to the drooping west making the wind my post horse, still unfold the acts commenced on this ball of earth upon my tongue's continual slanders ride the which in every language i pronounce stuffing the ears of men with false reports I speak of peace, while covert enmity under the smile of safety wounds the world, and who but rumour, who but only I make fearful musters and prepared defence, whilst the big ear, swollen with some other grief, is thought with child by the stern tyrant war in no such matter. Rumour is a pipe blown by surmises, jealousies, conjectures and if so easy and so plain a stop that the blunt monster with uncounted heads the still discordant wavering multitude can play upon it but what need i thus my well-known body to anatomize among my household why is rumour here I run before King Harry's victory, who, in a bloody field by Shrewsbury, hath beaten down young Hotspur and his troops, quenching the flame of bold rebellion, even with the rebel's blood. But what mean I to speak so true at first? (laughs) My office is to noise abroad that Harry Monmouth fell under the wrath of noble Hotspur's sword, and that the King before the Douglas rage stooped his anointed head as low as death. This have I rumoured through the peasant towns, between that royal field of Shrewsbury and this worm-eaten hold of ragged stone, where Hotspur's father, old Northumberland, lies crafty sick. The posts come tiring on, and not a man of them brings other news than they have learnt of me. (laughs) From rumours tongues they bring smooth comforts, false, worse than true wrongs.
2: (laughs) Exit SCENE I. Warkworth BEFORE NORTHUMBERLAND'S CASTLE. ENTER LORD BARDOLPH.
0: Who keeps the gate here? Ho! THE PORTER OPENS THE GATE. Where is the Earl?
1: What shall I say you are?
0: Tell thou the Earl that the Lord Bardolph doth attend him here.
1: His Lordship is walked forth into the orchard. Please it, Your Honor, knock but at the gate, and he himself will answer. ENTER NORTHUMBERLAND
4: here comes the earl
1: exit
2: porter
4: what news lord bardolph every minute now should be the father of some stratagem the times are wild contention like a horse full of high feeding madly hath broke loose and bears down all before him
0: noble earl i bring you certain news from shrewsbury
4: good in god will
0: as good as heart can wish the king is almost wounded to the death and in the fortune of my lord your son prince harry slain outright and both the blunts killed by the hand of douglas young prince john and westmoreland and stafford fled the field and harry monmouth's brawn the hulk sir john is prisoner to your son oh such a day so fought so followed and so fairly won came not till now to dignify the times since caesar's fortunes
4: how is this derived saw you the field came you from shrewsbury
0: I spake with one, my lord, that came from thence, a gentleman, well-bred and of good name, that freely rendered me these news for true.
4: Enter Travers. Here comes my servant, Travers, whom I sent on Tuesday last to listen after news.
0: My lord, I overrode him on the way, and he is furnished with no certainties more than he haply may retail from me.
4: Now, Travers, what good tidings comes with you?
0: my lord sir john Umfreville turned me back with joyful
5: tidings and being better horsed out rode me after him came spurring hard a gentleman almost force with speed that stopped by me to breathe his bloodied horse he asked the way to chester and of him i did demand one news from shrewsbury he told me that rebellion had bad luck and that young harry percy's spur was cold with that he gave his able horse the head and bending forward struck his armoured heels against the panting sides of his poor jade up to the rowel head and starting so he seemed in running to devour the way staying no longer question
4: again said he young harry percy's spur was cold of hot spur cold spur that rebellion hath met ill luck
0: my lord i'll tell you what If my young lord your son have not the day, upon mine honor, for a silken point I'll give my barony. Never talk of it.
4: Why should that gentleman that rode by Travers give then such instances of loss?
0: Who, he? He was some hilding fellow that had stolen the horse he rode on, and upon my life spoke out of venture. Look, here comes more news.
2: Enter Morton.
4: Yea, this man's brow, like to a tidal leaf, Foretells the nature of a tragic volume. So looks the strand whereon the imperious flood Hath left a witnessed usurpation. Say, Morton, didst thou come from Shrewsbury?
6: (sighs) I ran from Shrewsbury, my noble lord, Where hateful death puts on his ugliest mask To fright our party.
4: How doth my son and brother! Thou tremblest, and the whiteness in thy cheek Is apter than thy tongue to tell thy errand even such a man so faint so spiritless so dull so dread in look so woe-begone drew priam's curtain in the dead of night and would have told him half his troy was burnt but priam found the fire ere he his tongue and i my percy's death ere thou report'st it this thou wouldst say your son did thus and thus your brother thus so fought the noble douglas stopping my greedy ear With their bold deeds. But in the end, to stop my ear indeed, Thou hast a sigh to blow away this praise, Ending with, brother, son, and all are dead.
6: Douglas is living, and your brother yet, But for my lord your son. Why,
4: he is dead. See what a ready-tongue suspicion hath? He that but fears the thing he would not know, hath by instinct knowledge from others' eyes that what he feared is chanced. Yet speak, Morton, tell thou an earl his divination lies, and I will take it as a sweet disgrace and make thee rich for doing me such wrong.
6: You are too great to be by me gainsaid. Your spirit is too true, your fear's too certain.
4: Yet for all this say not that Percy's dead, I see a strange confession in thine eye thou shakest thy head and hold'st it in fear or sin to speak a truth if he be slain say so the tongue offends not that reports his death and he doth sin that doth belie the dead not he which says the dead is not alive yet the first bringer of unwelcome news hath but a losing office and his tongue sounds ever after as a sullen bell remembered tolling a departing friend
0: i cannot think my lord your son is dead i'm sorry i should force you to believe that
6: which i would to god i had not seen but these mine eyes saw him in bloody state rendering faint quittance wearied and outbreathed to harry monmouth whose swift wrath beat down the never daunted percy to the earth from whence with life he never more sprang up. In few, his death, whose spirit lent a fire Even to the dullest peasant in his camp, Being bruited once, took fire and heat away From the best-tempered courage in his troops. For from his mettle was his party steeled, Which once in him abated, And the rest turned on themselves, Like dull and heavy lead. And as the thing that's heavy in itself upon enforcement Flies with greatest speed, So did our men, heavy in Hotspur's loss, Lend to this weight such lightness with their fear That arrows fled not swifter toward their aim Than did our soldiers, aiming at their safety, Fly from the field. Then was that noble Worcester soon taken prisoner, And that furious Scot, the bloody Douglas, whose well-labouring sword had three times slain the appearance of the king, Gan veil his stomach, and did grace the shame of those that turned their backs, And in his flight, stumbling in fear, was took. The sum of all is that the king hath won— and hath sent out a speedy power to encounter you, my lord, under the conduct of young Lancaster and Westmoreland. This is the news at full.
4: For this I shall have time enough to mourn. In poison there is physic, and these news, having been well, that would have made me sick, being sick have in some measure made me well. And as the wretch whose fever weakened joints, like strengthless hinges, buckle under life, impatient of his fit breaks like a fire out of his keeper's arms even so my limbs weakened with grief being now enraged with grief are thrice themselves hence therefore thou nice crutch a scaly gauntlet now with joints of steel must glove this hand and hence thou sickly quaff thou art a guard too wanton for the head which princes fleshed with conquest aim to hit now bind my brows with iron and approach the raggedest hour that time and spite dare bring to frown upon the enraged northumberland let heaven kiss earth now let not nature's hand keep the wild flood confined let order die and let this world no longer be a stage to feed contention in a lingering act but let one spirit of the first-born cain reign in all bosoms That, each heart being set, on bloody courses, the rude scene may end, And darkness be the barrier of the dead.
0: This strained passion doth you wrong, my
6: lord. Sweet earl, divorce not wisdom from your honour. The lives of all your loving complices lean on your health, The which, if you give o'er to stormy passion, must perforce decay. You cast the event of war, my noble lord, and summed the account of chance before you said, Let us make head. It was your pre-surmise that in the dole of blows your son might drop. You knew he walked o'er perils on an edge, more likely to fall in than to get o'er. You were advised his flesh was capable of wounds and scars, and that his forward spirit would lift him where most trade of danger ranged. Yet did you say go forth and none of this though strongly apprehended could restrain the stiff born action what hath then befallen or what hath
0: this bold enterprise brought forth more than that being which was like to be we all that are engaged to this loss knew that we ventured on such dangerous seas that if we wrought out life twas ten to one And yet we ventured, for the gain proposed choked the respect of likely peril feared. And since we are o'erset, venture again. Come, we will put forth body and goods. Tis more than time. And, my
6: most noble lord, I hear for certain, and dare speak the truth, The gentle archbishop of York is up with well-appointed powers. He is a man who with a double surety binds his followers. My lord your son had only but the corpse, but shadows and the shows of men to fight. For that same word, rebellion, did divide the action of their bodies from their souls. And they did fight with queasiness, constrained as men drink potions. That their weapons only seemed on our side, but for their spirits and souls, this word, rebellion, it had froze them up. As fish are in a pond. But now the bishop turns insurrection to religion. Suppose sincere and holy in his thoughts He's followed both with body and with mind, And doth enlarge his rising with the blood Of fair King Richard scraped from pomfret stones derives from heaven his quarrel and his cause tells them he doth bestride a bleeding land gasping for life under great bolingbroke and more and less do flock to follow him
4: i knew of this before but to speak truth this present grief hath wiped it from my mind go in with me and counsel every man the aptest way for safety and revenge get posts and letters and make friends with speed Never so few, and never yet more need.
2: Exit. Scene 2. London. A Street. Enter Sir John Falstaff with his page Bearing his sword and buckler.
7: Sirrah, you giant! What says the doctor to my water?
8: He said, sir, the water itself was a good healthy water, But for the party that owed it, he might have more diseases than he knew for
7: men of all sorts take a pride to gird at me the brain of this foolish compounded clay man is not able to invent anything that intends to laughter more than i invent or is invented on me i am not only witty in myself but the cause that wit is in other men i do here walk before thee like a sow that hath overwhelmed all her litter but one If the prince put thee into my service for any other reason than to set me off— Why, then I have no judgment. Thou, horse-son Mandrake, thou art fitter to be worn in my cap than to wait at my heels. I was never manned with an agate till now. But I will unset you neither in gold nor silver, but in vile apparel, And send you back again to your master, for a jewel— THE JUVENILE, THE PRINCE, YOUR MASTER, WHOSE CHIN IS NOT YET FLEDGE. I WILL SOONER HAVE A BEARD GROW IN THE PALM OF MY HAND, THAN HE SHALL GET ONE OFF HIS CHEEK. AND YET HE WILL NOT STICK TO SAY HIS FACE IS A FACE ROYAL. GOD MAY FINISH IT WHEN HE WILL, TIS NOT A HAIR AMISS YET. HE MAY KEEP IT STILL AT A FACE ROYAL, FOR A BARBER SHALL NEVER EARN sixpence OUT OF IT. "'and yet he'll be crowing as if he had writ man "'ever since his father was a bachelor. "'He may keep his own grace, "'but he's almost out of mine, I can assure him. "'What said Master Domilton about the satin "'for my short cloak and my slops?'
8: "'He said, sir, you should procure him "'better assurance than Bardolf. "'He would not take his band and yours. "'He liked not the security.'
7: "'Let him be damned, like the glutton. PRAY GOD HIS TONGUE BE HOTTER, or HORSSON ACHITOFEL, RASCAL, YEA FORSOOTH KNAVE, TO BEAR A GENTLEMAN IN HAND, AND THEN STAND UPON SECURITY. THE HORSSON SMOOTH PATES DO NOW WEAR NOTHING BUT HIGH SHOES, AND BUNCHES OF KEYS AT THEIR GIRDLES, AND IF A MAN IS THROUGH WITH THEM IN HONEST TAKING UP, THEN THEY MUST STAND UPON SECURITY. I had as lief they would put ratsbane in my mouth as offer to stop it with security. I looked as should have sent me two-and-twenty yards of satin, as I am a true knight, and he sends me security. Well, he may sleep in security, for he hath the horn of abundance, and the lightness of his wife shines through it. And yet cannot he see, though we have his own lantern to light him. Where's Bardolph?
8: He's gone into Smithfield to buy your worship horse.
7: I bought him in Paul's, and he'll buy me a horse in Smithfield. And I could get me but a wife in the Stews. I were manned, horsed, and wived.
8: Enter the Lord Chief Justice and servant. Sir, here comes the nobleman that committed the prince for striking him about Bardolph.
7: Wait close. I will not see him. What see that
9: goes there? Falstaff, and please your lordship he that was in the question for the robbery he my lord but he hath since done good service at shrewsbury and as i hear is now going with some charge to the lord john of lancaster what to joke call him back again sir john falstaff boy tell him i am deaf
8: you must speak louder my master is deaf
10: i am sure he is to the hearing of anything good go pluck him by the elbow i must speak with him sir
7: john what a young knave and begging is there not wars is there not employment doth not the king lack subjects do not the rebels need soldiers and though it be a shame to be on any side but one it is worse shame to beg than to be on the worst side Were it worse than the name of rebellion can tell how to make it? You mistake me, sir. Why, sir, did I say you were an honest man? Setting my knighthood and my soldiership aside, I had lied in my throat if I had said so.
9: I pray you, sir, then set your knighthood and your soldiership aside, and give me leave to tell you, you, in your throat, if you say that I am any other than an honest man. I give thee leave to tell
7: me so i lay aside that which grows to me if thou getst any leave of me hang me if thou tak'st leave thou wert better be hanged you hunt counter hence avaunt
10: sir my lord would speak with you sir john falstaff a word
7: with you my good lord god give your lordship good time of day i am glad to see your lordship abroad i heard say your lordship was sick i hope your lordship goes abroad by advice your lordship though not clean past your youth hath yet some smack of age in you some relish of the saltness of time and i most humbly beseech your lordship to have a reverent care of your health sir
10: john i send for you before your expedition to shrewsbury and please your lordship i hear his majesty is returned with some discomfort from wales i talk not of his majesty you would not come when i sent for you and i hear moreover his highness is fallen into this same hoarsome apoplexy well god mend him i pray
7: you let me speak with you this apoplexy as i take it is a kind of lethargy and please your lordship a kind of sleeping in the blood a whoresome tingling
10: what tell you me of it be it as it is
7: It hath it original from much grief, from study, and perturbation of the brain. I have read the cause of his effects in Galen. It is a kind of deafness. I think you are fallen into the disease,
10: for you hear not what I say to you. Very well, my lord, very well.
7: Rather and please you, it is the disease of not listening, the malady of not marking, that I am troubled with awe. To
10: punish you by the heels would amend the attention of your heirs, and I care not if
7: I do become your physician. I am as poor as Job, my lord, but not so patient. Your lordship may minister the potion of imprisonment to me in respect of poverty, but how I should be your patient to follow your prescriptions, otherwise may make some dram of a scruple, or indeed
10: a scruple itself i sent for you when there were matters against you for your
7: life to come speak with me as i was then advised by my learned counsel in the laws of this land service i did not come
10: well the truth is sir john you live in great infamy
7: he that buckles himself in my belt cannot live in less
10: your means are very slender and your waste is
7: great i would it were otherwise i would my means were greater and my waist slenderer you have misled the youthful prince the young prince hath misled me i am the fellow with the great belly and he my dog well
10: i am loth to gall a new healed wound your day's service at Shrewsbury hath a little gilded over your knight's exploit on Gladshill you may thank the unique time for your quite oer posting that action uh, my lord but since all is well keep it so wake not a sleeping wolf to wake a wolf is as bad as smell a fox what you are as a candle the better part burnt
7: out a wassel candle my lord all tallow if i did say of wax my growth would approve the truth there is not
10: a white hair in your face but should have his effect of gravity his effect of gravy gravy you follow the young prince
7: up and down like his ill angel not so my lord your ill angel is light but hope he that looks upon me will take me without weighing and yet in some respects i grant i cannot go "'I cannot tell. "'Virtue is of so little regard "'in these costermongers' times "'that true valour is turned barad. "'Pregnancy is made a tapster, "'and his quick-wit wasted in giving reckonings. "'All the other gifts appurtenant to man, "'as the malice of this age shapes them, "'are not worth a gooseberry. "'You that are old, "'consider not the capacities of us that are young. "'You do measure the heat of our livers.' with the bitterness of your galls and we that are in the veyward of our youth must confess our wags too do you set down your name
10: in the scrawl of youth that are written down old with all the characters of age have you not a moist eye a dry hand a yellow cheek a white beard a decreasing leg and increasing belly is not your voice broken your wind short your chin double your wit single and every part about you blasted with antiquity and will you yet call yourself young
7: fie fie sir john my lord i was born about three of the clock in the afternoon with a white head and something round belly for my voice i have lost it with hallooing and singing of anthems To approve my youth further, I will not. The truth is, I am only old in judgment and understanding, and he that will caper with me for a thousand marks, let him lend me the money, and have at him. For the box of the ear that the prince gave you, he gave it like a rude prince, and you took it like a sensible lord. I have checked him for it, and the young lion repents. Mary... Not in ashes and sackcloth, but in new silk and old sack, well, God send the prince a better companion. God send the companion a better prince. I cannot rid my hands of him.
10: Well, the king hath served you. I hear you are going with Lord jaunt of Lancaster against the Archbishop and the Earl of Northumberland.
7: yea, I thank your pretty sweet wit for it, but look, you pray. ALL YOU THAT KISS MY LADY PEACE AT HOME, Let OUR ARMIES JOIN NOT IN A HOT DAY. FOR, BY THE LORD, I TAKE BUT TWO SHIRTS OUT WITH ME, AND I MEAN NOT TO SWEAT EXTRAORDINARILY, IF IT BE A HOT DAY, And I brandish ANYTHING BUT A BOTTLE. I WOULD, I MIGHT NEVER, SPIT WHITE AGAIN. THERE IS NOT A DANGEROUS ACTION CAN PEEP OUT HIS HEAD, BUT I AM THRUST UPON IT. WELL, I CANNOT LAST EVER but it was always yet the trick of our english nation if they have a good thing to make it too common if he will needs say i am an old man you should give me rest i would to god my name were not so terrible to the enemy as it is i were better to be eaten to death with a rust than to be scoured to nothing with perpetual motion well be honest
10: be honest and god bless your expedition
7: will your lordship
10: lend me a thousand pounds to furnish me forth not a penny not a penny you are too impatient to bear crosses fare you well commend me to my cousin westmoreland
2: exit chief justice and servant
7: if i do fill up me with a three-man beetle a man can no more separate age and covetousness than it can part young limbs and lechery But the gout galls the one, and the pox pinches the other. And so both the degrees prevent my curses. Boy! Sir? What money is in my purse?
8: Seven groats and tuppence.
7: I can get no remedy against this consumption of the purse. Borrowing only lingers and lingers it out, but the disease is incurable. Go bear this letter to my lord of Lancaster. This to the prince, this to the earl of Westmoreland, And this to old mistress Ursula, Whom I have weakly sworn to marry Since I perceived the first white hair of my chin. About it you know where to find me.
2: Exit page. A pox of this gout!
7: Nor a gout of this pox, For the one or the other plays the rogue with my great toe. Tis no matter if I do halt. I have the wars for my colour, and my pension shall seem the more reasonable. A good wit will make use of anything. I will turn diseases to commodity.
2: Exit. Scene three. York. The archbishop's palace. Enter the archbishop. Thomas Mowbray. The earl marshal. Lord Hastings. And Lord Bardolph
11: thus have you heard our cause and known our means and my most noble friends i pray you all speak plainly your opinions of our hopes and first lord Marshal, what say you to it
5: i will allow the occasion of our arms but gladly would be better satisfied how in our means we should advance ourselves to look with forehead bold and big enough upon the power and puissance of the king
12: our present musters grow upon the file to five and twenty thousand men of choice and our supplies live largely in the hope of great northumberland whose bosom burns with an incensed fire of injuries
0: the question then lord hastings standeth thus whether our present five and twenty thousand may hold up head without northumberland
12: with him we may
0: yea Mary, there's the point but if without him we be thought too feeble my judgment is we should not step too far till we had his assistance by the hand for in a theme so bloody-faced as this conjecture expectation and surmise of aids uncertain should not be admitted
11: tis very true lord bardolph for indeed it was young hotspur's
0: case at shrewsbury it was my lord who lined himself with hope eating the air and promise of supply flattering himself in project of a power much smaller than the smallest of his thoughts and so with great imagination proper to madmen led his powers to death and winking leapt into destruction
12: but by your leave it never yet did hurt to lay down likelihoods and forms of hope
0: yes if this present quality of war indeed the instant action a cause on foot lives so in hope as in an early spring we see the appearing buds, which, to prove fruit, hope gives not so much warrant as despair that frosts will bite them. When we mean to build, we first survey the plot, then draw the model, and when we see the figure of the house, then we must rate the cost of the erection, which, if we find outweighs ability, what do we do then but draw anew the model in fewer offices, or at least desist to build at all? much more in this great work which is almost to pluck a kingdom down and set another up should we survey the plot of situation and the model consent upon a sure foundation question surveyors know our own estate how able such a work to undergo to weigh against his opposite or else we fortify in paper and in figures using the names of men instead of men like one that draws the model of a house beyond his power to build it who half through gives o'er and leaves his part created cost a naked subject to the weeping clouds and waste for churlish winter's tyranny
12: grant that our hopes yet likely of fair birth should be still born and that we now possess the utmost man of expectation i think we are a body strong enough even as we are to equal with the king
0: what is the king but five and twenty thousand
12: To us no more, nay, not so much, Lord Bardolph, for his divisions, as the times do brawl, are in three heads, one power against the French, and one against Glendower. Perforce a third must take up us, so is the unfirm king, in three divided, and his coffers sound with hollow poverty and emptiness.
11: That he should draw his several strengths together, and come against us in full puissance, need not be dreaded
12: if he should do so he leaves his back unarmed the french and welsh baying him at the heels never fear that
0: who is it like should lead his forces hither the duke of lancaster
12: and westmoreland against the welsh himself and harry monmouth but who is substituted against the french i have no certain notice let us on
11: and publish the occasion of our arms the commonwealth is sick of their own choice their over greedy love hath surfeited and habitation, giddy and unsure, hath he that buildeth on the vulgar heart. O thou, fond many, with what loud applause didst thou beat heaven with blessing Bolingbroke, before he was what thou wouldst have him be? And being now trimmed in thine own desires, thou, beastly feeder, art so full of him, that thou provokest thyself to cast him up. So, so, thou common dog! didst thou disgorge thy glutton bosom of the royal Richard, and now thou wouldst eat thy dead vomit up, and howlst to find it. Who what trust is in these times! They that when Richard lived would have him die, are now become enamoured on his grave. Thou that threwest dust upon his goodly head, when through proud London he came sighing on after the admired heels of Bolingbroke, criest now, O earth, yield us that king again, and take thou this. O thoughts of men accursed, past and to come seems best, things present worst.
5: Shall we go draw our numbers and set on?
12: We are time subjects, and time bids be gone.
2: Exent End of Act 1 Act Two of The Second Part of Henry the Fourth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Second Part of Henry the Fourth by William Shakespeare. Act Two, Scene One. London, a street. Enter hostess with two officers, Fang and Snare.
13: Master Fang, have you entered the action?
10: It is entered.
13: Where's your yeoman? Is the lusty yeoman? Will I stand to it?
10: Sirrah, where's Snare?
13: O oh, Lord, ay, good Master Snare. Here, here.
10: Snare, we must arrest Sir John
13: Falstaff. Yea, good Master Snare, I have entered him and all it may chance cost some of our
3: lives for he will stab
13: alas the day take heed of him he stabbed me in mine own house and that most beastly in good faith it cares not what mischief he does if his weapon be out he will foin like any devil he will spare neither man woman nor child
10: if i can close with him i care not for his thrust
13: no nor i neither i'll be at your elbow
10: and i but fist him once and a come but within my vice
13: i am undone by his going i warrant you he's an infinitive thing upon my score "'Good Master Fang, hold him sure. "'Good Master Snare, let him not scape. "'A comes continually to Pie Corner, "'saving your manhoods, to buy a saddle, "'and he is indicted to dinner to the Lubbers' Head "'in Lumberd Street, to Master Smooth's the Silkman. "'I pray you, since my Exion is entered "'and my case so openly known to the world, "'let him be brought in to his answer. "'A hundred mark is a long one "'for a poor lone woman to bear.' "'and I have borne and borne and borne "'and have been fubbed off and fubbed off and fubbed off "'from this day to that day "'that it is a shame to be thought on. "'There is no honesty in such dealing, "'unless a woman should be made an ass and a beast "'to bear every knave's wrong.'
2: Enter Sir John Falstaff, Page, and Bardolph.
13: "'Yonder he comes, "'and that errant, malmsy-nosed knave, Bardolph, with him. "'Do your offices, do your offices, "'Master Fang and Master Snare. "'Do me, do me, do me your offices.'
7: how now whose mare's dead what's the matter sir john i arrest you at the suit of mistress quickly away violets draw pardoff cut me off the villain's head throw the quain in the channel
13: throw me in the channel i'll throw thee in the channel wilt thou wilt thou thou bastardly rogue murder murder ah thou honeysuckle villain wilt thou kill god's officers and the kings ah thou honey-seed rogue thou art a honey-seed a man-queller and a woman-queller Keep them off, Bardolph! A rescue! A rescue! Good people, bring a rescue or two. Thou what? What thou? Thou what? What thou? Do do thou rogue? Do thou hempseed?
8: Away, you scullion! You rampalian You fustilarian!
2: I'll tickle your catastrophe. Enter the Lord Chief Justice and his men.
10: What is the matter? Keep the peace here. Who? Good, my lord. Be good to me. I beseech you. Stand to me. How now, Sir John? what are you brawling here doth this become your place your time and business you should have been well on your way to jock stand from him fellow wherefore hangst thou upon him
13: O oh, my most worshipful lord and please your grace i am a poor widow of eastcheap and he is arrested at my suit for what sum? it is more than for some my lord it is for all all i have he hath eaten me out of house and home he hath put all my substance into that fat belly of his but i will have some of it out again or i will ride thee a knights like a mare
7: i think i am as like to ride the mare if i have any vantage of ground to get up how
10: comes this sir john fie what man of good temper would endure this tempest of exclamation Are you not ashamed to enforce a poor widow to so rough a course to come by her own?
7: What is the gross sum that I owe thee?
13: Mary, if thou wert an honest man, thyself and the money too. Thou didst swear to me upon a parcel-gilt goblet sitting in my dolphin-chamber at the round-table by a sea-coal fire upon Wednesday in Weeson week when the prince broke thy head for liking his father to singing-man of Windsor. Thou didst swear to me then, as I was washing thy wound, to marry me and make me my lady thy wife. Canst thou deny it? Did not good wife Keech, the butcher's wife, come in then and call me gossip quickly, coming in to borrow a mess of vinegar, telling us she had a good dish of prawns, whereby thou didst desire to eat some, whereby I told thee they were ill for green wound? And didst thou not, when she was gone downstairs, desire me to be no more so familiarity with such poor people, saying that ere long they should call me madam? And didst thou not kiss me and bid me fetch the thirty shillings? I put thee now to thy book oath. Deny it, if thou canst.
7: My lord, this is a poor mad soul, and she says up and down the town that her eldest son is like you. She hath been in good case, and the truth is, poverty hath distracted her. But for these foolish officers, I beseech you I may have redress against them. Sir John, Sir John, I am
10: well acquainted with your manner of wrenching the true cough the false way it is not a confident brow nor the throng of words that come with such more than impudent sauciness from you can thrust me from a level consideration you have as it appears to me practised upon the easy yielding spirit of this woman and made her serve your uses both in purse and in person
13: yea in truth my lord
10: pray thee peace pay her the debt you owe her and unpay the villainy you have done with her the one you may do with sterling money and the
7: other with current repentance my lord i will not undergo this sleep without reply you call honourable boldness impudent sauciness if a man will make curtsy and say nothing he is virtuous no my lord my humble duty remembered I will not be your suitor. I say to you, I do desire deliverance from these officers, being upon hasty employment in the king's affairs.
10: You speak as having power to do wrong, but answer in the effect of your reputation, and satisfy the poor woman. Come hither, hostess.
2: Enter Gower.
10: Now, Master Gower, what news?
13: THE KING, MY LORD, AND HARRY PRINCE OF WALES ARE NEAR AT HAND. THE REST THE PAPER TELLS. GIVES A LETTER.
7: AS I AM A GENTLEMAN. FAITH, YOU SAID SO BEFORE. AS I AM A GENTLEMAN. COME. NO MORE WORDS OF IT.
13: BY THIS HEAVENLY GROUND I TROD ON, I MUST BE FAIN TO pawn BOTH MY PLATE AND THE TAPESTRY OF MY dining chambers. GLASSES, GLASSES,
7: IS THE ONLY DRINKING, AND FOR THY WALLS a pretty slight drollery, or the story of the prodigal, or that German hunting in Waterwork is worth a thousand of these bed-hangers and these fly-bitten tapestries. Let it be ten pound, if thou canst. Come, and twere not for thy humours, there's not a better wench in England. Go, wash thy face, and draw the action. Come, thou must not be in this humour with me, and dost not know me come come i know thou wast set on to this
13: pray thee sir john let it be but twenty nobles if faith i am loth to pawn my plate so god save me la
7: let it alone i'll make other shift you'll be a fool still
13: well you shall have it though i pawn my gown i hope you'll come to supper you'll pay me altogether
7: will i live to bardolph go with her with her hook on
13: hook on Will you have Doll Tearsheed meet you at supper? No more words. Let's have her.
2: Exempt Hostess, Bardolph, and Officers.
10: I have heard better news. What's the news, my Lord? Where lay the King tonight?
13: At Basingstoke, my Lord.
10: I hope, my Lord, all's well. What is the news, my Lord? Come all his forces back?
13: No. Fifteen hundred foot, five hundred horse are marched up to my Lord of Lancaster against Northumberland and the Archbishop
7: comes the King back from Wales, my noble Lord.
10: You shall have letters of me presently. Come, go along with me, good Master Gower,
7: my Lord. What's the matter, uh, Master Gower? Shall I entreat you with me to dinner?
13: I must wait upon my good Lord here. I thank you, good Sir John.
10: Sir John, you loiter here too long, being you are to take soldiers up in the countess as you go. Will you sup with me, Master Gower? What foolish master taught you these manners, Sir
7: John? Master Gower, if they become me not, he was a fool that taught them me. And this is the right fencing grace, my lord. Tap for tap,
10: and uh, so part fair. Now the Lord lighten thee. Thou art a great fool.
2: Exit Scene two, London, another street. Enter Prince Henry and
14: Poins.
15: Before God, I am exceeding weary.
14: Is it come to that? I had thought weariness durst not have attached one of so high
15: blood. Faith, it does me, though it discolors the complexion of my greatness to acknowledge it. Doth it not show vilely in me to desire small beer?
14: why a prince should not be so loosely studied as to remember so weak a composition
15: the like then my appetite was not princely gaunt. for by my troth i do now remember the poor creature small beer but indeed these humble considerations make me out of love with my greatness what a disgrace it is to me to remember thy name or to know thy face to-morrow or to take note How many pair of silk stockings thou hast, these, these, and those that were thy peach-colored ones, or to bear the inventory of thy shirts, as one for superfluity, and another for use? But that the tennis-court keeper knows better than I. For it is a low ebb of linen with thee, when thou keepest not racket there, as thou hast not done a great while, because the rest of thy low countries have made a shift to eat up thy holland and god knows whether those that ball out of the ruins of thy linen shall inherit his kingdom but the midwives say the children are not in the fault whereupon the world increases
14: and kindreds are mightily strengthened how ill it follows after you have laboured so hard you should talk so idly tell me how many good young princes would do so Their father's being so sick as yours, at this time is. Shall I tell thee one thing, points? Yes, Faith, and let it be an excellent good thing.
15: It shall serve among wits of no higher breeding
14: than thine. Go to. I stand the push of your one thing, that you will tell. Mary, I tell thee. It is not meet
15: that I should be sad. Now my father is sick. Albeit I could tell to thee as... To one it pleases me, for fault of a better to call my friend, I could be sad, and sad indeed, too. Very hardly upon such a subject. By this hand thou thinkest me as far in the devil's book as thou, and Falstaff, for obduracy and persistency, let the end try the man. But I tell thee my heart bleeds inwardly, that my father is so sick in keeping such vile company as thou art, hath in reason taking from me all ostentation of sorrow? The reason? What wouldst thou think of me if
14: I should weep? I would think thee a most princely hypocrite.
15: It would be every man's thought, and thou art a blessed fellow to think as every man thinks. Never a man's thought in the world keeps the roadway better than thine. Every man would think me an hypocrite indeed. And what excites your most
14: worshipful thoughts to think so? Why, because you have been so lewd and so much engraft to Falstaff. And to thee? By this light I am well spoke on. I can hear it with mine own ears. The worst that they can say of me is that I am a second brother, and that I am a proper fellow of my hands. And those two things, I confess, I cannot help. By the mass... Here comes Bardolph.
2: Enter Bardolph and page.
15: And the boy that I gave Falstaff. I had him from me, Christian. And look, if the fat villain have not transformed him, ape. God save
14: your grace. And yours, most noble Bardolph. Come, you virtuous ass. You bashful fool. Must you be blushing? Wherefore blush you now? What a maidenly man-at-arms are you become? Is it such a matter to get. A pottle pot's maidenhead.
8: I uh, calls me e'en now, my lord, through a red lattice, and I could discern no part of his face from the window. At last I spied his eyes, and methought he had made two holes in the alewife's new petticoat, and so peeped through.
9: Has not the boy profited? Away, you worse than upright rabbit, away.
8: Away, you rascally Althea's dream, away.
9: Instruct us, boy. What dream, boy?
8: Mary, my lord, Althea dreamt she was delivered of a firebrand, and therefore I call him her dream.
15: A crown's worth of good interpretation. There tis, boy.
14: Oh, that this blossom could be kept from cackers.
9: Well, there's sixpence to preserve thee. And you do not make him be hanged among you? The gallows shall have wrong. And how doth thy master, Bodolf? Well, my lord, he heard of your graces coming to town.
14: Here's a letter for you. Delivered with good respect. And how doth the mortal mass, your master? In bodily health, sir. Mary, the immortal part, needs a physician. But that moves not him. Though that be sick, it dies not. I do allow this well to be as
15: familiar with me as my dog. And he holds his place, for, look you, how he
14: writes. READS. John Falstaff, Knight. Every man must know that, as oft as he has occasion to name himself, even like those that are kin to the king, for they never prick their finger, but they say, There's some of the king's blood spilt. How comes that? Says he, that takes upon him not to conceive. The answer is as ready as a borrower's cap. I am the king's poor cousin, sir.
15: Nay, they will be kin to us, or they will fetch it from Yafet. But the letter. Reads. Sir John Falstaff, knight, to the son of the king nearest his father, Harry, Prince of Wales, greeting.
14: Why, this is a certificate. Peace. Reads. I will imitate the honourable Romans in brevity. He sure means brevity and breath, short-wended. Reads. I commend me to thee, I commend thee, and I leave thee,
15: be not too familiar with points. For he misuses thy favours so much that he swears thou art to marry his sister Nell. Repent at idle times as thou mayst, and so farewell. Thine Bayean no, which is as much to say as thou usest him, Jack Falstaff with my familiars, John with my brothers and sisters, and Sir John with all Europe my lord i'll
14: steep this letter in sack and make him eat it
15: that's to make him eat twenty of
14: his words but do you use me thus ned must i marry your sister god send the wench no worse fortune but i never said so
15: well thus we play the fools with the time and the spirits of the wise sit in the clouds and mock us is your master here in london yea my lord Where he? Doth the old boar feed in the old frank? At the old place, my lord, in Eastcheap. What company?
8: Ephesians, my lord, of the old church.
15: Sup any women
8: with him? None, my lord, but old mistress quickly, and mistress dull Tearsheet.
15: What pagan may that be?
8: A proper gentlewoman, sir, and a kinswoman of my master's.
15: Even such kin as the parish hyphers are to the town bull. Shall we sail upon them Ned? at supper?
14: i am your shadow my lord i'll follow you
15: sirrah you boy and bardolph no word to your master that i am yet come to town there's for your silence
9: i have no tongue sir
8: and for mine sir i will govern it
15: there you are go
8: exit bardolph and page
15: this dull tear-sheet should be some road
14: i warrant you as common as the way between st albans and london
15: how might we see Falstaff bestow himself to-night in his true colors, and not ourselves be seen?
14: Put on two leathern jerkins and aprons, and wait upon him at his table as drawers. From a god to a bull, a heavy dissension.
15: It was Jove's case. From a prince to apprentice, a low transformation. That shall be mine, for in everything the purpose must weigh with the folly. Follow me, Ned.
2: Exent. SCENE THREE WARKWORTH BEFORE THE CASTLE ENTER NORTHUMBERLAND, LADY NORTHUMBERLAND, AND LADY PERCY.
4: I PRAY THEE, LOVING WIFE AND GENTLE DAUGHTER, GIVE EVEN WAY UNTO MY ROUGH AFFAIRS. PUT NOT YOU ON THE visage OF THE TIMES, AND BE, LIKE THEM, TO PERCY, TROUBLESOME. I HAVE
13: GIVEN over. I WILL SPEAK NO MORE. DO WHAT YOU WILL, YOUR WISDOM BE YOUR
4: GUIDE. ALAS, SWEET WIFE, my honour is at pawn and but my going nothing can redeem it oh yet for god's sake go
3: not to these wars the time was father when you broke your word when you were more endeared to it than now when your own percy when my heart dear harry through many a would look to see his father bring up his powers but he did long in vain Who then persuaded you to stay at home? There were two honours lost, yours and your son's. For yours the God of heaven brightened it, for his it stuck upon him like the sun in the grey vault of heaven, and by his light did all the chivalry of England move to do brave acts. He was, indeed, the glass wherein the noble youth did dress themselves. He had no legs that practised not his gait and speaking thick, which nature made his blemish, became the accents of the valiant, for those that could speak low and tardily would turn their own perfection to abuse to seem like him, so that in speech, in gait, in diet, in affections of delight, in military rules, humours of blood, he was the mark and glass, copy and book that fashioned others, and him, O oh, wondrous Him, O oh, miracle of men! Him did you leave, second to none, unseconded by you, to look upon the hideous god of war in disadvantage, to abide a field where nothing but the sound of Hotspur's name did seem defensible. So you left him. Never oh never do his ghost the wrong to hold your honour more precise and nice with others than with him let them alone the marshal and the archbishop are strong had my sweet harry had but half their numbers to-day might i hanging on hotspur's neck have
4: talked of monmouth's grave beshrew your heart fair daughter you do draw my spirits from me with new lamenting ancient oversights but i must go and meet with danger there or it will seek me in another place and find me worse provided
13: oh fly to scotland till that the nobles in the armed commons have of their puissance made little taste if they
3: get ground and vantage of the king then join you with them like a rib of steel to make strength stronger but for all our loves first let them try themselves so did your son he was so suffered so came i a widow and never shall have length of life enough to reign upon remembrance with mine eyes that it may grow and sprout as high as heaven for recordation to my noble husband
4: come come go in with me tis with my mind as with the tide swelled up into his height that makes a still stand running neither way Fain would I go to meet the archbishop, But many thousand reasons hold me back. I will resolve for Scotland. There am I, till time and vantage crave my company.
2: Exant. Scene 4 London, the Boar's Head Tavern in East Chew. Enter Francis and another drawer.
16: What the devil hast thou brought there? Applejohns? Thou knowest Sir John cannot endure an applejohn
1: mass thou sayest true the prince once set a dish of apple johns before him and told him there were five more sir johns and putting off his hat said i will now take my leave of these six dry round old withered knights it angered him to the heart but he hath forgot that
16: why then cover and set them down and see if thou canst find out sneak's noise Mistress Tearshi would fain hear some music.
2: Enter third drawer. Dispatch! The room where they sucked is too hot. They'll come in straight.
16: Sirrah, here will be the prince and master poins anon, and they will put on two of our jerkins and aprons, and Sir John must not know of it. Bardolph hath brought word.
2: By the mass, here will be old Arts. It will be an excellent stratagem. I'll see if I can find out sneak. Exxon second and third drawers. ENTER HOSTESS AND DOLL TERRSHEET.
13: IF FAITH, SWEETHEART, methinks YOU ARE IN EXCELLENT GOOD TEMPORALITY. YOUR PULSAGE BEATS AS EXTRAORDINARILY AS HEART WOULD DESIRE, AND YOUR COLOR, I WARRANT YOU, IS AS RED AS ANY ROSE. A GOOD TRUTH, LA. BUT IF FAITH, YOU HAVE DRUNK TOO MUCH CANARIES, AND THAT'S A MARVELOUS SEARCHING WINE, AND IT PERFUMES THE BLOOD, ERE ONE CAN SAY, WHAT'S THIS? HOW DO YOU NOW? BETTER THAN I WAS. WELL, THAT'S WELL SAID. A GOOD HEART'S WORTH GOLD. LO, HERE COMES SIR JOHN. ENTER FALSTAFF when
7: arthur first in court <laughs> empty the jordan
13: exit francis
7: and was a worthy king <laughs>
13: how now mistress doll sick of a calm yea in good faith
17: and
7: so is all her sack, And they be once in a calm
18: they are sick a oh, pox damn you you muddy rascal is that all a comfort you give me
7: you make fat rascals mistress doll
18: i make em Gluttony and diseases make them, I make em not.
7: If the cook help to make the gluttony, you help to make the diseases, doll. We catch of you, doll, we catch of you. Grant that, my poor virtue, grant that
18: Yea, joy, our chains and our jewels.
7: Your brooches, pearls, and ouches. For to serve bravely is to come halting off. You know, to come off the breach with his pike bent bravely, and to surgery bravely. TO VENTURE UPON THE CHARGED CHAMBER'S BRAVELY.
18: HANG YOURSELF, ye you MUDDY CONGER, AND YOURSELF.
13: BY MY TROTH, THIS IS THE OLD FASHION. YOU TWO NEVER MEET, BUT YOU FALL TO SOME DISCORD. YOU ARE BOTH THE GOOD TRUTH, AS Rheumatic as TWO DRY TOASTS. YOU CANNOT BEAR WITH ANOTHER'S CONFIRMITIES. WHAT THE GOOD YEAR ONE MUST BEAR, AND THAT MUST BE YOU. YOU ARE THE WEAKER VESSEL, AS THEY SAY, THE EMPTIER VESSEL.
18: CAN A WEAK, EMPTY VESSEL BEAR SUCH A HUGE, FULL HOGSHEAD? "'There's old merchant's venture of Bordeaux stuff in him. "'You've not seen a hulk better stuffed in the old. "'Come, I'll be friends with thee, Jack. "'Thou art going to the wars, and whether I shall ever see thee again, "'or no, there is nobody cares.' Re-enter Francis.
16: Sir, ancient pistol's below, and would speak with you.
18: "'Hang him, swaggering rascal. "'Let him not come, either. "'It's a foul-mouthed rogue in England.'
13: "'If he swagger, let him not come here.' No, by my faith. I must live among my neighbours. I'll know swaggerers. I am in good name and fame with the very best. Shut the door. There comes no swaggerers here. I have not lived all this while to have swaggering now. Shut the door, I pray you. Dost thou hear, hostess? Pray ye, pacify yourself, Sir John. There comes no swaggerers here. Dost thou hear? It is mine ancient. Tilly-fally, Sir John, ne'er tell me. And your ancient swaggerer comes not in my doors. I was before Master Tiswick, the deputy, the other day, and as he said to me, 'Twas no longer ago than Wednesday last, a good faith. Neighbor, quickly says he, Master Dumby, our minister was by then. Neighbor, quickly says he, receive those that are civil. For said he, you are in an ill name. Now I said so. I can tell. Whereupon, for says he, you are an honest woman and well thought on. Therefore, take heed what guests you receive. Receive says he, no swaggering companions. There comes none here. You would bless you to hear what he said. No, I'll no swaggerers
7: he's no swaggerer hostess a tame cheater of faith you may stroke him as gently as a puppy greyhound you'll not swagger with a barbary hen if her feathers turn back at any show of resistance call him up drawer
13: exit francis cheater call you him i will bar no honest man my house nor no cheater but i do not love swaggering by my troth i am the worse when one says swagger feel masters how i shake look you i warrant you so you do hostess do i yea in very truth do i and twere an aspen leaf i cannot abide swaggerers enter
2: pistol bardolph and page
13: god save you sir john welcome
7: ancient pistol here pistol i charge you with a cup of sack do you discharge upon my hostess
19: i will discharge upon
13: her sir john with two bullets
19: is she his pistol proof
7: sir You shall not hardly offend her.
13: Come, I'll drink no proofs nor no bullets. I'll drink no more than will do me good, for no man's pleasure, I.
19: Then to you, Mistress Dorothy, I will charge you.
18: Charge me? I scorn you, scurvy companion. What, you poor, base, rascally, cheating, lack linen mate? Away, you mouldy rogue, away, I am meat for your master.
19: I know you, Mistress Dorothy
18: away ye cut-purse rascal you filthy bung away by this wine i'll thrust my knife in your mouldy chaps and you play the saucy cuttle with me away you bottle-ale rascal Ye basket-hilt stale juggler you since when i pray you sir god's light with two points on your shoulder much
19: god let me not live but i will murder your ruff for this
13: no more pistol I would not have you go off here. Discharge yourself of our company pistol. No, good captain pistol, not here, sweet captain.
18: Captain? Thou abominable damned cheater, art thou not ashamed to be called captain? And captains were of my mind, they though trunching you out for taking their names upon you before you've earned em You a captain. You slave for what? For tearing a poor oars rough in a boardy house? he a captain hang him rogue he lives upon mouldy stewed prunes and dried cakes a captain god's light these villains will make the word as odious as the word occupy which was an excellent good word before it was ill-sorted therefore captains had need look to it
9: pray thee go down good ancient thee hither mistress doll
18: not i i
19: tell thee what corporal bardolf i could tear her i'll be revenged of her
8: pray thee go down
19: i'll see her damned first to pluto's damned lake by this hand to the infernal deep with erebus and torches vials also hold hook and line say i down down dogs down fates,
13: have we not higher in here good captain Pease'll be quiet tis very late of faith i beseech you now aggravate your collar these
19: be good humours indeed shall pack horses and hollow pampered jades of asia which cannot go but thirty mile a day compare with caesars and with cannibals and trojan greeks nay rather damn them with king cerberus and let the ralcan roar shall we fall foul for toys
13: by my troth captain these are very bitter words be gone good ancient this will
9: grow into a brawl anon
13: die men like dogs give crowns like pins have we not iron here my word captain there's none such here what the good year do you think i would deny her for god's sake be quiet
19: then feed and be fat my fair callipolis come give us some sack si fortuna me tormentes sperato mi contento fear we broadsides no let the fiend give fire give me some sack and sweetheart lie thou there laying down his sword come we to full points here and are et cetera's nothings pistol i would be quiet sweet knight i kiss thy knife what we have seen the seven stars
18: for god's sake thrust him down the stairs i cannot endure such a fustian rascal thrust him down
19: stairs know we
18: not galloway
19: nags
7: quite him down bardoff like a shove groat shilling Nay, and it do nothing but speak nothing. It shall be nothing here.
9: Come, get you downstairs.
19: What? Shall we have incision? Shall we embrew?
9: Snatching up his sword.
19: Then death rock me asleep, abridge my doleful days. Why then let grievous, ghastly, gaping wounds untwine the sisters three? Come, Atropos, I say.
13: Here's goodly stuff toward. Give me my rapier, boy
19: i
2: pray thee jack i pray thee do not draw
7: get you downstairs
2: drawing and driving pistol
13: out here's a goodly tumult i'll forswear keeping house afore i'll be in these turrets and frights so murder i warned now alas alas put up your naked weapons put up your
18: naked weapons Exant Pistol and i pray thee jack be quiet the rascal's gone ah oh, you wholesome little valiant villain you are you not hurt in the groin Methoughts it made a shrewd thrust at your belly.
13: Re-enter Bardolph.
9: Have you turned him out of doors? Yea, sir. The rascal's drunk. You have hurt him, sir, in the shoulder.
18: A rascal to brave me! Ah, you sweet rogue! You, alas, poor ape, how thou sweatest! Come, let me wipe thy face. Come on, you horse and chops! Ah, rogue! (laughs) If faith, I love thee. Thou art as valorous as Hector of Troy, worth five of Agamemnon, and ten times better than the nine worthies. Ah, villain!
7: A rascally slave! I will toss the rogue in a blanket.
18: Do, and thou darest for thy heart, and thou dost, I'll canvas thee between a pair of sheets.
8: Enter musicians. The music is calm, sir.
18: Let them
7: play. Play, sirs. Sit on my knee, doll. (laughs) rascal bragging-slave the rogue fled from me like quicksilver
18: if faith and thou follow'st him like a church thou wholesome little tidy-bough folly me boar pig when wilt thou leave fighting a days and foining a nights and begin to patch up thine old body for heaven
2: enter behind prince henry and Poins, disguised as drawers
7: peace good doll do not speak like a death's head do not bid me remember mine end cyril what humour's the prince of a good shallow young fellow he would have been a good pantler he would have chipped bread well
18: they say points as a good wit
7: he a cut wit hey him baboon his wit's as thick as Tewkesbury mustard there's no more conceit in him
18: than is in a mallet why does the prince love him so then
7: because their legs are both of a bigness and they plays at quite well and eats conger and fennel, and drinks off candle's ends for flap-dragons, and rides the wild mare with the boys, and jumps upon joined stools, and swears with a good grace, and wears his boots very smooth, like unto the sign of the leg, and breeds no bait with telling of discreet stories, and such other gamble faculties a has, that show a weak mind in an able body, for the which the prince admits him, for the prince himself is such another (laughs) a weight of a hair
14: will turn the scales between
7: their avid poise
14: would not this knave of a wheel have his ears cut off let's beat him before his whore look
15: where the withered elder hath not his pole clawed like a parent
14: is it not strange that desire should so many years outlive performance kiss
15: me doll saturn and venus this year in conjunction what says the almanac to that
14: and look whether the fiery trigon his man be not lisping to his master's old tables his notebook his council keeper
18: Ooh,
7: thou dost give me flattering buses
18: by my troth i kiss thee with a most constant heart
7: i am old i am old
18: i love thee better than i love e'er a scurvy young boy of em all.
7: what stuff will have a curdle of i shall receive money a thursday shalt have a cap to-morrow a merry song come It grows late wilt to bed thou forget me when i am gone
18: by my truth thou'd set me a weeping and thou saidst so prove that ever i dress myself handsome till thy return well hearken at the end
7: some sack francis anon anon, 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 anon sir. sir
18: Advancing.
7: Ha! a bastard son of the king's and art
15: thou not points his brother why thou globe of sinful continence, what a life dost thou lead a better than thou i am a gentleman thou art a drawer very true sir and i come to draw you out by the ears
13: oh the lord preserve thy grace by my troth welcome to london now the Lord bless that sweet face of thine, O oh, Jesu! Are you come from Wales? Thou
7: horson, mad compound of majesty! By this light flesh and corrupt blood, thou art welcome.
18: Leaning his band upon Doll, how, oh, you fat fool! I scorn you,
14: my lord. He will drive you out of your revenge and turn all to a merriment if you take not the heat.
15: You horson, Camelmine, you. How vilely did you speak of me even now before this honest, virtuous, civil gentlewoman!
13: God's blessing on your good heart, and so she is by my troth.
15: Didst thou hear me? Yea, and you knew me as you did when you ran away by Gad's Hill. You knew I was at your back, and spoke it on purpose to try my patience. No, 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 not so. Ha, I did not think thou
7: wast within hearing
15: i shall drive you then to confess the willful abuse and then i know how to handle you no abuse hal my honour no abuse not to dispraise me and calmly pander and bread chipper and i know not what no abuse
7: hal no abuse no abuse ned in the world honest ned none i i dispraised him before the wicked that the wicked might not fall in love with thee in which doing i have done the part of a careful friend and a true subject and thy father is to give me thanks for it no abuse hal none ned none no faith boys
15: none see now whether pure fear and entire cowardice doth not make me wrong this virtuous gentleman to close with us is she of the wicked is thine hostess here of the wicked or is thy boy of the wicked or honest bardolph whose zeal burns in his nose of the wicked
14: answer thou dead elm
15: answer
7: the fiend hath pricked down bardolph irrecoverable and his face is lucifer's privy kitchen where he doth nothing but roast malt-worms for the boy there is a good angel about him but the devil outbids him too for the women for one of them she's in hell already and burns poor souls for the other i owe her money and whether she be damned for that i know not no i warrant you no i think thou art not i think thou art quit for that Mary. There is another indictment upon thee for suffering flesh To be eaten in thy house, contrary to the law, For the
13: which I think thou wilt howl. All victlers do so. What's a joint of mutton or two and a whole lent? You, gentlewoman.
18: What says your grace?
13: His
7: grace says that which his flesh rebels against.
2: Knocking within.
13: Who knocks so loud a door? Look to the door there, Francis. Enter
2: Pato.
15: Pato, how now, what news?
0: the king your father is at westminster and there are twenty weak and wearied posts come from the north and as i came along i met and overtook a dozen captains bareheaded sweating knocking at the taverns and asking every one for sir john Forstaff.
15: by heaven points i feel me much to blame so idly to profane the precious time and tempests of commotion like the south borne with black vapour that begin to melt and drop upon our bare unarmed heads Give me my sword and cloak. Falstaff, good night.
2: Exit Prince, Poins, Peto, and Bardolph. Now
7: comes in the sweetest morsel of the night, And we must hence, and
9: leave it unpicked.
2: Knocking within.
9: More knocking at the door.
2: Re-enter Bardolph.
9: How now? What's the matter? You must away to court, sir, presently. A dozen captains stay at door for you.
2: To the page. Pay
7: the musicians, sir farewell hostess farewell doll you see my good wenches how men of merit are sought after the undeserver may sleep when the man of action is called on farewell good wenches if i be not sent away post i will see you again ere i go
18: i cannot speak if my heart be not ready to burst well sweet jack have a care of thyself
7: farewell farewell
13: well, fare thee well. I have known thee these twenty nine years, come peace god time, but an honester and truer hearted man, well, fare thee well. Within.
9: Mistress Tearsheet.
13: What's the matter? Within.
9: Bid Mistress Tearsheet come to my master.
13: Oh, run, doll. Run, run. Good, come. To Bardolf. She comes, blubbered. Yea, will you come, doll?
2: Excellent. End of Act Two. Act Three of the Second Part of Henry the Fourth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Henry the Fourth, Part Two by William Shakespeare. Act Three, Scene One, Westminster, The Palace. Enter the king in his nightgown with a page.
17: Go call the earls of Surrey and of Warwick. But ere they come, bid them o'er read these letters, and well consider of them. Make good speed.
2: Exit Page.
17: How many thousand of my poorest subjects are at this hour asleep? O sleep, O gentle sleep, nature's soft nurse, how have I frighted thee? that thou no more wilt weigh my eyelids down, and steep my senses in forgetfulness. Why, rather, sleep, liest thou in smoky cribs, upon uneasy pallets, stretching thee, and hushed with buzzing night-flies to thy slumber, than in the perfumed chambers of the great, under the canopies of costly state, and lulled with sound of sweetest melody. O thou dull God!— Why liest thou with the vile in loathsome beds, and leavest the kingly couch, a watch-case, or a common lorum bell Wilt thou upon the high and giddy mast seal up the ship-boy's eyes, and rock his brains in cradle of the rude imperious surge, and in the visitation of the winds, who take the ruffian billows by the top, curling their monstrous heads, and hanging them with deafening clamour in the slippery clouds, that with the Hurley death itself awakes? Canst thou, O partial sleep, give thy repose to the wet sea-boy in an hour so rude, and in the calmest and most stillest night, with all appliances and means to boot, deny it to a king? Then happy, lo, lie down. Uneasy lies the head that wears a crown.
2: Enter Warwick and Surrey
16: many good morrows to your majesty is it good morrow lords tis one o'clock and past
17: why then good morrow to you all my lords have you read o'er the letters that i sent you we have my liege then you perceive the body of our kingdom how foul it is what rank diseases grow and with what danger near the heart of it
16: It is but as a body yet distempered which to his former strength may be restored with good advice and little medicine my lord northumberland will soon be cooled
17: o god that one might read the book of fate and see the revolution of the times make mountains level and the continent weary of solid firmness melt itself into the sea and other times to see the beachy girdle of the ocean too wide for Neptune's hips! How chances mock, and changes fill the cup of alteration with divers liquors! Oh, if this were seen, the happiest youth, viewing his progress through, what perils past, what crosses to ensue, would shut the book, and sit him down and die! Tis not ten years gone since Richard and Northumberland, great friends, did feast together, and in two years after were they at wars. It is but eight years since this Percy was the man nearest my soul, who like a brother toiled in my affairs, and laid his love and life under my foot. Yea, for my sake, even to the eyes of Richard gave him defiance. But which of you was by?
2: To Warwick.
17: You, Cousin Neville, as I may remember, when Richard, with his eye brimful of tears, then checked and rated by Northumberland, did speak these words, now proved a prophecy. Northumberland, thou ladder by the which my cousin Bolingbroke ascends my throne. Though then, God knows, I had no such intent, but that necessity so bowed the State that I in greatness were compelled to kiss. The time shall come. Thus did he follow it. The time will come that foul sin, gathering head, shall break into corruption.' So went on, foretelling the same time's condition and the division of our amity.
16: There is a history in all men's lives, figuring, the natures of the times deceased, the which observed a man may prophesy, with a near aim of the main chance of things, as yet not come to life, who in their seeds and weak beginning lie in treasured such things become the hatch and brood of time, and by the necessary form of this King Richard might create a perfect guess, that great Northumberland, then false to him, would of that seed grow to a greater falseness, which should not find a ground to root upon unless on you.
17: Are these things, then, necessities? Then let us meet them like necessities, AND THAT SAME WORD EVEN NOW CRIES OUT ON US. THEY SAY THE BISHOP IN Northumberland ARE FIFTY THOUSAND STRONG.
16: IT CANNOT BE, MY LORD. RUMOR DOTH DOUBLE LIKE THE VOICE AND ECHO, THE NUMBERS OF THE FEARED. PLEASE IT YOUR GRACE TO GO TO BED. UPON MY SOUL, MY LORD, THE POWERS THAT YOU ALREADY HAVE SENT FORTH SHALL BRING THIS PRIZE IN VERY EASILY to comfort you the more i have received a certain instance that glendower is dead your majesty hath been this fortnight ill and these unseasoned hours perforce must add unto your sickness
17: i will take your counsel and were these inward wars once out of hand we would dear lords unto the holy land
2: Gloucestershire, before justice shallow's house enter shallow and silence meeting mouldy shadow wart feeble bull calf and servants behind
6: come on come on come on give me your hand sir give me your hand sir an early stirrer by the rude and how doth my good cousin silence
1: good morrow good cousin shallow
6: and how doth my cousin, your bedfellow, and your fairest daughter and mine, my goddaughter, Ellen?
1: Alas, a black oozel, cousin Shallow.
6: By yea and no, sir. I dare say my cousin William is become a good scholar. He is at Oxford still, is he not?
1: Indeed, sir. To my cost.
6: He must then to the Inns of Court shortly. I was once of Clement's Inn, where I think they will talk of Mad Shallow yet.
1: You were called Lusty Shallow, then, cousin.
6: By the mass, I was called anything, and I would have done anything indeed, too, and roundly, too. There was I, and little John Doight of Staffordshire, and Black John Barnes, and Francis Pickbone and will squeal a cotswold man you had not four such swinge bucklers in all the inns of court again <laughs> and i may say to you we knew where the bona robbers were and had the best of em all at commandment then was jack falstaff now sir john boy and page to thomas mowbray duke of norfolk
1: this sir john cousin that comes hither anon about soldiers
6: the same sir john the very same i see him break scoggins head at the court gate when he was a crack not thus high and the very same day did i fight with one samson stockfish a fruiterer behind gray's inn (laughs) jesu jesu the mad days that i have spent and to see how many of my
1: old acquaintance are dead, we shall all follow, cousin
6: certain, tis
1: certain, sure, very sure,
6: death, as the psalmist saith, is certain to all, all shall die. How a good yoke of bullocks at Stamford Fair.
1: By my troth, I was not there.
6: Death is certain. Is old Double of your town living yet?
1: Dead, sir.
6: So, Gee-so, Dead. Drew a good bow, and dead. He shot a fine shoot. John Gaunt loved him well, and betted much money on his head. Dead He would have clapped to the clout at twelve score and carried you a forehand shot of fourteen and fourteen and a half. a half that would have done a man's heart good to see. How a score of ewes now
1: Thereafter as they be, a score of good ewes may be worth ten pounds.
6: And he's old double dead
1: Enter Bardolph, and one with him Here come two of Sir John Falstaff's men, as I think
9: Good morrow, honest gentleman. I beseech you, which is Justice Shallow?
6: I am Robert Shallow, sir, a poor esquire of this county, and one of the King's Justices of the Peace. What is your good pleasure with me?
9: My captain, sir, commends him to you, my captain, Sir John Falstaff, a tall gentleman by heaven, and a most gallant leader. He greets
6: me well, sir. I knew him. A good backsword man, how doth the good knight may I ask how my lady, his
9: wife, does, sir? Pardon a soldier is better accommodated than with a wife.
6: It is well said in faith, sir, and it is
9: well said indeed,
6: too, better accommodated, it is good, yea, indeed, is it good phrases are surely and ever were very commendable, accommodated it comes of accommodo
9: very good a good phrase pardon sir i have heard the word phrase you call it by this day i know not the phrase but i will maintain the word with my sword to be a soldier-like word and a word of exceeding good command by heaven accommodated that is when a man is as they say accommodated or when a man is being whereby a may be thought to be accommodated Which is an excellent thing.
2: Enter Falstaff.
9: It is very just.
2: Look! Here
6: comes good Sir John. Give me your good hand, give me your worship's good hand. By my troth, you like well and bear your years very well. Welcome, good Sir John. I am glad to see you well, good Master Robert Shallow, Master Surecard, as I think, No, Sir John, it is my cousin. Silence! in commission with me.
1: Good Master Silence,
6: it well befits. You should be of the peace.
1: Your good worship is welcome.
7: Fie! this is hot weather. Gentlemen, have you provided me here half a dozen
6: sufficient men? Marry have we, sir. Will you sit? Let me see them, I beseech you where's the roll where's the roll where's the roll let 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 me see let me see let me see so 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 yea marry sir rafe mouldy uh, let them appear as i call let them do so let them do so let me see where is mouldy here and please you what think you sir john a good-limbed fellow young strong and of good friends
7: is thy name mouldy "'Yea, and it please you?' "'Tis the
6: more time thou wert used.' "'Ha! ha! ha! most excellent, faith! "'Things that are mouldy, like use, very singular good, in faith. "'Well said, Sir John, very well said.'
9: "'Prick him.' "'I was pricked well enough before, and you could have let me alone. "'My old dame will be undone now, for one to do her husbandry and her drudgery. "'You need not have pricked me.' there are other men fitter to go out than i
7: go to peace mouldy you shall go mouldy it is time you were spent
6: spent peace fellow peace stand aside know you where you are for the other sir john uh, let me see Uh, simon shadow (laughs) yea
7: mary let me have him to sit under he's like to be a cold soldier
6: where's
5: shadow
7: shadow whose son art thou
5: my mother's son sir
6: thy
7: mother's son like enough and thy father's shadow so the son of the female is the shadow of the male it is often so indeed but much of the father's substance
6: do you like him
7: sir john shadow will serve for summer prick him for we have a number of shadows fill up the muster brook Thomas? Wart? Where's he? Here, sir. Is thy name Wart? Yes, sir. Thou art a very ragged Wart. Shall I prick him, Sir John? It were superfluous, for his apparel is built upon his back, and the whole frame stands upon pins. Prick
6: him no more. (laughs) you can do it sir you can do it i commend you well francis feeble here sir what trade art thou feeble
18: a woman's tailor sir
6: shall i prick him sir you may
7: but if he had been a man's tailor he'd have pricked you (laughs) wilt thou make as many holes in an enemy's battle as thou hast done in a woman's petticoat
18: I will do my good will, sir. You can have no more.
7: Well said, good woman's tailor, well said, courageous feeble. Thou wilt be as valiant as the rattled dove, or most magnanimous mouse. Prick the woman's tailor. Well, Master Shallow, deep Master Shallow.
18: I would what might have gone, sir?
7: I would thou wert a man's tailor, that thou mightst mend him, and make him fit to go. I cannot put him to a private soldier.' That is the leader of so many thousands. Let that suffice, most forcible feeble.
18: It shall suffice, sir.
7: I am bound to thee, reverend feeble. Who is next? Peter, Bullcalf of the Green. Yea, Mary, let's see Bullcalf. Here, sir. For God, a likely fellow. Come, prick me Bullcalf till he roar again.
5: O oh, Lord, good my Lord Captain... What?
7: Dost thou roar before thou art pricked
5: O lord sir I am a diseased man What disease hast thou A horse and cold sir A cough sir Which I caught with ringing In the king's affairs Upon his coronation day sir
7: Come thou shalt go to the wards in a gown We will have away thy cold And I will take such order That thy friends shall ring for thee Is
6: here all Here is two more called than your number. You must have but four here, sir, and so I pray you, go in with me to dinner. Come, I will go drink with you, but I cannot tarry dinner. I am glad to see you by my troth, Master Shallow. Oh, Sir John, do you remember, since we lay all night in the windmill in St. George's Field? No more of that, Master Shallow, no more of that was a merry night and is jane nightwork alive she lives master shallow she could never away with me
7: never never she would always say she could not abide master shallow
6: by the mass i could anger her to the heart she was then a bona roba does she hold her own well Old. Old, Master Shallow. Well, nay, she must be old. She cannot choose but be old. Certain she's old. And had robin night work by old night work before I came to Clement's Inn.
1: That's fifty-five year ago.
6: <sighs> Cousin Silence, that thou hadst seen that that this knight and I have seen. <laughs> Sir John said i well we have heard the chimes at midnight master shallow that we have that we have that we have in faith sir john we have our watchword was "Hem, boys come let's to dinner come let's to dinner jesus the days that we have seen. Come, come.
2: Exit Falstaff and the justices.
5: Good master corporate Bardolph, stand my friend, and here's for Harry ten shillings in French crowns for you. In very truth, sir, I had as lief be hanged, sir, as go, and yet for mine own part, sir, I do not care, but rather because I am unwilling, and for mine own part, have a desire to stay with my friends. Else, sir i did not care for mine own part so much go to stand aside
9: and good master corporal captain for my old dame's sake stand my friend she has nobody to do anything about her when i am gone and she is old and cannot help herself you shall have forty sir go to stand aside
18: by my troth, i care not a man can die but once we owe god a death i'll ne'er bear a base mind and it be my destiny, so, and it be not, so. No man's too good to serve his prince, And, let it go which way it will, He that dies this year is quit for the next.
9: Well said. Thart a good fellow.
18: Faith, I'll bear no base mind. Re-enter Falstaff and the
2: Justices.
7: Come, sir, which men shall I have?
9: Four of which you please. Sir, a word with you. I have three pounds to free Moldy and Bullcalf.
6: Go to, well. Come, Sir John, which four will you have? Do you choose for me? Marry, then, Moldy, Bullcalf, Feeble, and Shadow. Moldy and Bullcalf.
7: For you, Moldy, stay at home till you are past service, and for
6: your part, Bullcalf, grow you come unto it. I will none of you. "'Sir John, Sir John, do not yourself wrong. "'They are your likeliest men, "'and I would have you served with the best.' "'Will you
7: tell me, Master Shallow, how to choose a man? "'Care I for the limb, the thews, the stature, "'bulk, and big assemblance semblance of a man? "'Give me the spirit, Master Shallow. "'Here's what. "'You see what a ragged appearance it is?' "'I shall charge you, and discharge you, "'with the motion of a pewterer's hammer. "'Come off and on, swifter than he that gibbets on the brewer's bucket. "'And this same half-faced fellow, Shadow, "'give me this man. "'He presents no mark to the enemy. "'The foeman may, with his great aim, "'level at the edge of a pen-knife. "'And for a retreat?' How swiftly will this feeble, the woman's tailor, run off? Oh, give me the spare men, and spare me the great ones. Put me a caliver into Wart's hand, Bardolph.
9: Hold, wort, Traverse. Thus,
7: thus, thus. Come, manage me your caliver. So, very well. Goat too. Very good. Exceeding good. Oh, give me always a little lean old chopped bald shot. <laughs> well said, a faithwart, thou'rt a good scab. Hold, there's a tester for thee.
6: He is not his craft's master. He doth not do it right. I remember at Mile End Green, when I lay at Clement's Inn. I was then so Dagonet in Arthur's show. There was a little quiver fellow and he would manage you his piece thus and he would about and about and come you in and come you in ra he would say bounce he would say and away again would he go and again would he come (laughs) i shall ne'er see such a fellow these fellows
7: will do well master shallow god keep you master silence i will not use many words with you Fare you well. Gentlemen, both, I thank you. I must a dozen mile to-night. Bardoth,
6: give the soldiers coats. Sir John, the Lord bless you. God, prosper your affairs. God, send us peace. At your return, visit our house. Let our old acquaintance be renewed. Peradventure I will with you to the court." for god would you would go to i have spoke at a word god keep you
7: fare you well gentle gentlemen
2: exempt justices
7: on bardoff lead the men away
2: exempt all but falstaff
7: as i return i will fetch off these justices i do see the bottom of justice shallow "'Lord, Lord, how subject we old men are to this vice of lying! "'This same starved justice hath done nothing but prate to me of the wildness of his youth, "'and the feats he hath done about Turnbull Street.' "'And every third word a lie.' "'Doer paid to the hearer than the Turks tribute.' "'I do remember him at Clement's Inn, like a man made after supper of a cheese paring. When he was naked, he was for all the world like a forked radish, with a head fantastically carved upon it with a knife. He was so forlorn that his dimensions to any thick sight were invisible. He was the very genius of famine, yet lecherous as a monkey, and the whores called him Mandrake. "'he came ever in the rearward of the fashion, "'and sung those tunes to the overscutched housewives "'that he heard the carmen whistle, "'and swear they were his fancies or his good "'And now is this vice's dagger become a squire, "'and talks as familiarly of John Agaunt "'as if he had been sworn brother to him. "'And I'll be sworn I never saw him but once in the tilt-yard,' "'and then he burst his head for crowding among the marshal's men. "'I saw it, and told john Agant he beat his own name, "'for you might have thrust him and all his apparel into an eel skin. "'The case of a treble hot boy was a mansion for him, a court, "'and now has he land and beeves. "'Well, I'll be acquainted with him if I return, "'and it shall go hard, but I'll make him a philosopher's two stones to me.' If the young Dace be a bait for the old Pike, I see no reason in the law of nature but I may snap at him. Let time shape, and there an end.
2: EXIT. End of Act Three
16: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy
6: Sandwich.